Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Collectively Coexisting, a podcast by Remember the Girls. As part of our Carrier Connections monthly series, we are featuring Barth Syndrome this month. And Carrier Connections is sponsored by Horizon Therapeutics, Sanofi, and Ultragenics Pharmaceutical. Here we have today with us Christy, who is a carrier of Barth Syndrome, who's going to be talking about her family's experience um, and what her life has been like, you know, being a carrier of Barth Syndrome. So Christy, thank you so much for being here. And it would be great if you could introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Sure. Thank you for having us. And thank you for featuring Barth Syndrome. We need all the attention we can get. Um, I'm Christy. I'm a Mississippi resident and I have two wonderful boys and my youngest who is 15 has Barth Syndrome. He is the one who introduced me to this um, this journey, it has both hardships and, and joys, so many of both. Thank you. And so let's, let's jump right into your journey. So how and when did you first learn about Barth syndrome, but also that you are a carrier of Barth syndrome? So um, we had no idea when, when my youngest, his name is Christopher, when he was born, that there would be anything wrong, wrong with his health. And, um, but when he was born shortly after we found out that he was in severe heart failure and he actually, he actually has his own amazing little journey because he ended up under hospice, um, with, with his heart. So we didn't find out though about Barth syndrome until he was 22 months old. At that point in time, he'd already been actually released from hospice. He had a miraculous improvement with his heart. Um, but we continued to be followed with genetics and we had been told that, more than likely, we would never find the genetic cause of Christopher's heart condition. And if we did, it would be like finding a needle in a haystack. But but anyway, we were we continued to do all the testing. And one day I get a phone call. Actually, it was February the 1st, 2010. I got a phone call from Christopher's geneticist. And he said, I think I know what's wrong, what's caused Christopher's heart condition. And then he proceeded to tell me about Barth syndrome. And I said, well, you just described my son. I said, but you also just described my nephew who doesn't have a heart condition. And you also described my first cousin. So as soon as my, my so Christopher was confirmed to have Barth syndrome and shortly after, because my nephew followed all of the symptoms as well, minus the heart condition, which Barth syndrome symptoms are on a spectrum. So they don't all have to have the same uh, symptoms. So that's why he fell under the radar, not to mention that if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. So Jacob had fallen under the radar. But as soon as we had confirmed Jacob's diagnosis, that basically let us know that I was a carrier. Because my nephew also had it, which would make my sister also a carrier. However, I, because I wanted to be involved with research with the Barth Center Foundation, went and had myself actually genetically confirmed through the Children's Hospital. I was actually a, a patient through the Children's Hospital. And so that's how I found out I was, that's how I found out about Barth Syndrome. And that's how I found out I was a carrier. Thank you so much, Christy. And I'm, your, your story of, you know, realizing that there's multiple males in your family who fall like under this condition. I think that's such a common sort of story that you see in X-linked diseases. I know the same was the case in my family when my dad was diagnosed with his X-linked disease. Um, you know, then we looked around to our family, extended family and realized that there was a bunch of other males that, um, that were also impacted, but yeah, flew under the radar, like you said, because of these variable phenotypes 
Um, but that's, you know, great that you were able to get an answer, especially after being told that you probably wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do believe a diagnosis makes all the difference in the world and their, and their care. So I agree. And so, sorry, you mentioned that Christopher, that you have another son. Was he older, younger? I've Um, uh, Christopher's brother is older. He is 10 years older. And actually, uh, Justin, my oldest son, he is not affected. Um, he does not carry any of the symptoms. However, we did after Christopher was diagnosed. And I want to say before his genetic diagnosis, but it could have been, it was either shortly before, or shortly after his genetic diagnosis. We, we performed an echo on, which is a heart, heart test to find out your heart function for those who don't know on Justin and, and he he was fine which we expected him to be so my oldest son is fine um my nephew who has Barth syndrome also has a brother and he's not affected either so with Barth syndrome you have a 50 50 percent chance if you have the like so if I'm a carrier and I have a girl then she would have a 50 percent chance of being a carrier, and if I have a boy, he would have a 50 percent chance of having Barth syndrome. So I had two boys, one with Barth syndrome and one without. Right. And so, did Barth syndrome impact your family planning journey in any way? Like, I don't know if you had thoughts of ever having any more children, but did that have an impact? Um. Yes, actually, it did. Um. So when we had Christopher, um, it was an amazing experience. It was something that we, Christopher was, was, we waited for him for a long time. We tried for him and, and the whole, the whole thing with him being sick was completely, we had no idea. It was, it was a complete surprise. We had no idea of a familial history of any kind of genetic diseases. So, um, we, we did want to have more children, but Watching what Christopher has gone through, um, it was it's hard because as as a parent, especially a mother and a father, you it's our jobs to kiss their boo boos and make it better. When you have something this this large, you can't make it better, and it's really hard to watch that and know you can't help them. Um, which that's a whole other thing because now there's a tentative treatment for Barth syndrome that we're fighting for, um, but when you can't help them, it's it's hard. So we decided we want to put any more children through that. Um, and so we decided not to have any more children. However, mm -hmm. we do know that God is in control and that, you know, that is a very personal choice for people. So I, I don't, I don't want my decision to ever influence any other excellent carrier because I think that that's not black and white. You know, that's, that is such a personal decision for every individual case. And us. But for us, we did not. Um, we chose not to have more. But if embrace that, and we would love that child, but we have not. We have not. Um, we have not tried to pursue having more. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I a hundred percent agree with what you said about you know everyone's journey being different. I think it's just so dependent on the family and the circumstance. And so many considerations, so many things you have to think about before deciding what route that you want to take, but there's no one way that's best. Um, so that's definitely something that we advocate for through Remember the Girls, that 
it's important to know all of your options, but you know, we don't push any specific option because everyone's different. That's right. And so you mentioned this um, potential tentative treatment. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So um, with Christopher, you know, he's 15 years old and he was born in heart failure and then he went under hospice and, you know, throughout all of this, he's, he's also had a stroke. He's been in heart failure three times. He's had seizures and throughout all of this, granted that there's some of the symptoms like neutropenia, we can treat those symptoms, but, but largely we've always been told there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. Well, for the past five years, there has been a pharmaceutical called olamipertide that has been developed by Stealth Biotherapeutics. And it has been clinically trialed with Bar Syndrome Foundation and Kennedy Krieger. So 10% of the Bar Syndrome patients in this country, matter of fact, 100% of all eligible patients participated in this trial. And um, in the beginning, they didn't necessarily find a whole lot of positive outcome because they didn't have enough time to do it. But they had two clinical trials and an open extension. And it revealed a very resounding positive impact on bar syndrome. Um, it's it's very it's a very promising drug. However, um, FDA agrees, and it actually even even improves their heart function by forty percent, and and incre- increases their exercise intolerance, which is a large part of this disease is fatigue, um, by thirty percent. There was a baby that came off the Berlin Heart, which um a ventricular device assist and that's unheard of um and this baby has left the hospital with his native heart so the drug is very promising and uh, fda has agreed that the drug um has has improved the heart function they have agreed that the drug is safe but they do not agree to review the data and the basis for them not to do that is because the dr- the disease bar syndrome is so ultra rare there are only 300 living people in the world, in the whole world. And 150 of those are here in the, in the United States. The FDA has stated that they need more patients. We don't have more patients because they don't exist. 85% of our boys, I say boys because it normally impacts boys, but we do actually have a girl that's diagnosed in, in England. Um, she had also had a sister who's deceased and she had Barth syndrome, but largely boys. Um, you know, so they want, they don't, they want more patients, but 85% of them die before the age of five. So we can't produce something that doesn't exist. So we're kind of at a stalemate with them because, um, Stealth Biotherapeutics has invested millions of, they've had $75 million, I want to say, invested now, and they keep getting the the non-failure, uh, the new drug application refusal letters. So we're at the point now where if Stealth Biotherapeutics receives one more refusal to file a new drug application, they're going to be forced to walk away. And what will happen then is the only existing treatment for Barth syndrome will go away and we will never have access to it. And so all of this, there's nothing we could do. Now there's something we can do to help. And it's kind of being dangled in front of us, but we are not allowed to touch it. So part of my journey today, even though I didn't really want to be doing this, um, I'm fighting to help secure access to this drug for my child and for anyone else, including the child participants, because right now they're all on the drug and they're thriving. And they they all say they don't 
feel like they even have Barth syndrome anymore. It is that impactful of a drug. And an infant who received use under the compassionate use allowance will no longer have access to this drug. And the idea to me that Barth syndrome patients and devastating and deadly as this disease is, will never have access is, is, is devastating. And so I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I didn't do everything. So today, that's what we're doing. Um, Barth Syndrome Foundation and the patients and the families, we're going to our representatives and we're going to our senators and we're talking to them and letting them know about the situation. And we're not asking them to force the FDA to approve a drug. The only thing that we're asking is to have a fair and equitable review and for the FDA to exercise their congressionally given authority for uh, regulatory flexibility, which they have and they're not doing for us. And so we're asking for that because it's only fair. Um, it shouldn't, it's not right that we're, it's, it's, we're being discriminated because we're so few in numbers and our children and our young men and even girl will never have a chance. And it's hard for me to accept that. Wow. I just, I can't even imagine what your community must be going through on a day-to-day basis. Just, just so insanely frustrating that, especially, you know, because this is the only treatment. It's, it's not like you have other options to choose from. And, you know, there are lots of rare diseases, you know, who, of course they face different challenges with getting drugs approved, but, you know, they don't necessarily get told, Oh, you don't have enough people. Like, it's just so frustrating, and but I for so we've been doing this for five years, and throughout wow. the five years we've been waiting, we've lost seventeen people with Barth syndrome. Seventeen out of this small community—that's a—that's a huge statistic. And this disease is deadly. And it, every day that we wait, we're we're essentially playing chicken with their lives, and it's really hard to. It's hard to know that, that, that this is happening. I, it's just, it's, it's egregious and I can't accept it. I, 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 I struggle so much with this. This is yeah. where we are today. That's, that's, that's the battle we're at. You know, we're not only trying to keep our children alive, but we have this treatment that now we shouldn't be having to beg for it, but here we are. So, and I know you mentioned that there was a, a petition. Um, I definitely am going to include that in the show notes, but I'd also love for us to circulate it on social media. So um, you'll send me the link to that petition so yes. that our listeners can can sign and help support this this cause. Because you know, even if they haven't been in the same situation, um, I'm sure they've gone through you know frustrations with getting access to treatments and would want to do anything they can to help your community. Um, you know, have the FDA review this data. But it's just, it's so frustrating and feels like, yeah, that every single day that goes by, it's like a day, a day that's wasted. Like, ugh, I can't even imagine. But I think it's so commendable, you know, what you and so many other Barth syndrome parents are doing to, to really try to move this forward, not just for your children, but for, you know, every child now and in the future who you know, is diagnosed. Well, this is gonna, yeah, because and that's what I think about, because if you think about these diseases being genetic and you go back and like, I know my grand, my grandmother had two boys who died in infancy. So this disease, while we didn't know it existed, has been here for generational generations and it's a generational thing. And it, 
impact people for generations to come. It's not just us. There are people in this fight with us today. Their children did not survive, but they donated their bodies. They donated their blood, the data, you know, they, they planted those seeds. And the least I can do to honor those people is to help fight yeah. to see this, to see this happen, you know, and it is hard and it's hard to watch these children suffer every single day because it's not just a once in a while thing. It's an everyday, thing. every day they are impacted. And this drug would, would improve their quality quality of lives so much would allow them to actually be involved in life and live with with us and have the the energy to to do the daily things that you and I are blessed to be able to do so yeah well thank you so much for for sharing and we'll definitely help help spread the word for sure um thank you so if you could go back uh to before that you knew about Barth syndrome before your son's diagnosis what is something that you would tell yourself? You know, I thought about this question and I don't really know what I would tell myself because um, I guess if I were to tell, if, if this were going to be the before and it was going, that I'm going to be a Barth mom later, just, just, just know you're stronger than, than you think, you know, um, People talk about how strong we are and that they don't know how we can do it. And it's not that we don't know how we can, we don't know how we, we don't have a choice. Like you're going to do, you're going to be as strong as you're, as you're forced to be. And life is going to throw things at you that's not in your control. And sometimes all you can do is just take it hour by hour. It doesn't even have to be day by day, but you're stronger than you think and you are going to survive. That's a beautiful message. Thank you so much, Christy. Um, so the last two questions I just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, about Remember the Girls and our community of Epsilon Carriers. And I wanted to ask you um, why you joined Remember the Girls. Well, I joined because I think that our, our the women, the carriers, we, 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 um, Usually the focus is on the patient because all our, our attention goes into trying to keep them alive, but we're all impacted too. And we can't fall under the cracks. And there's so many elements and layers to it. It's not just, just even about mental health and, and supporting one another and what we're going through as caregivers. But, you know, some of us actually even have, have small little hidden health things like with bar syndrome, although we're not necessarily affected you'll find that it, it's a trend that most of us have uh, sensory processing disorder. So there are small little things. And I think that the moving parts all are necessary to understand. And I think we can all help understand each other more and be a support to each other. And that's what we need. That's the, that's the main thing that has helped me where I guess that's one more thing I can go back to telling myself, my younger self is you you're doing right by seeking the support. The support's going to get you through. So that is that is why I joined. I think that that is an essential part of these journeys is is linking arms and supporting one another, advocating together, teaching each other, you know, and one that some days I may not feel as strong as I do the next day. And so we lean on each other and we help each other to get through these hard times. I love that. And uh, finally, what is one word that comes to mind when you think of Remember the Girls? This is a question that we ask all of our um, interviewees, what's one word that comes to mind? Um, strong. I love it. 
thank you so much, Christy, for taking the time. I know that, you know, I'm sure that you are constantly talking about Barth, but I'm, you know, I can imagine it can still be super emotional, especially talking about the treatment. And I really appreciate you coming on here and being willing to share. And I'm so excited to share more about your story and also um, the advocacy that your community is in for this treatment with our greater Remember the Girls community and beyond. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.